Amen. Thank you, Brother Mark, Sister Amy, for helping us in that beautiful Charles Wesley hymn. I like the last phrase that we sang in that because it's reminiscent of the resurrection, especially when it says, Ours the cross, we died with Christ. The grave, we were buried with Christ. The skies, we will be resurrected and are resurrected and will be raised one day eternally with Christ. Praise the Lord. Before I get into the message this morning, again, I want to say welcome and thank each one of you for coming at this early hour. What a significant time of the Christian year when believers gather together at the beginning of the Easter Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a high moment in the life of the church and in the life of the believer. I'd like to acknowledge this small vase of uh, white uh, tulips placed here on the offering table this morning by the family of Lamona Mahaffey. Uh, they were wanting to uh, pay tribute to her and as a memorial and to celebrate that she is celebrating her first Easter Right there in heaven. And so we join with them in celebrating her life and thanking God for uh, such a dear Christian lady and the impact that she's left on so many. You know, oftentimes and traditionally and rightfully so, we put a lot of emphasis on the event of the resurrection. And certainly we should. Because had it not been for the fact that 2,000 years ago in that garden tomb outside of the city of Jerusalem... When the Son of God, in the glory and the power of God, was raised bodily from the, the dead and came forth out of that tomb. That, that event is significant and pivotal. So naturally, we should go back and remember the event and celebrate that. But I want to I encourage you this morning to join with me in celebrating the effect of the resurrection. Not just the event that it, that indeed Jesus was raised from the grave, but would you consider this morning the effect that Jesus' resurrection should have and does have on the lives of every born-again believer in Jesus Christ? Because we're not just looking back at the calendar and saying, oh yes, he came forth from the grave and that was great, whoopee, and there we go. From that day forth... Things have never been the same in the lives of people who were convicted in their hearts of the reality of the truth that Jesus Christ was indeed the Son of God and that He conquered sin and that every person who believes upon Him would be forgiven of their sins and receive the wonderful eternal gift of salvation and with that eternal life. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles, not to the book of Acts. I know that y'all traditionally see me, uh, by habit, see me in the pulpit. You go to the book of Acts. But this morning, we'll be looking at a writing of the Apostle Paul to a church that he loved dearly. But it's interesting because, you go ahead and turn to Romans. Paul never, this is one of the churches he didn't start. This is one of the churches that Paul really didn't get to worship with. This is a church that Paul probably didn't meet the members, or at least the majority of them. He had met Aquila and Priscilla, but um, they came from the Church of Rome. You may recall in our study of Acts how he met them in Corinth. 
and how important they were to his ministry there. And then they accompanied him to Ephesus as he continued there. But but as far as actually going to Rome and, and being in the church of Rome and starting the church of Rome, Paul is writing to this, this body of believers in the capital city of the Roman Empire. And he's pouring as much of Christian doctrine as he possibly can by letter into these believers in Jesus Christ. And naturally, he would want them to fully understand the significance of who Jesus was and what Jesus did in dying for our sins, but also in his resurrection. So this morning, I want to direct you to Romans chapter 6, and we'll begin reading there in verse 1. And I want us to understand that we share in the resurrection of Jesus Christ in a number of ways. And His resurrection should be a lot more than an event to you and me. It should have a lasting effect in our lives. And so, let's begin reading together in verse 1, Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Let's pause there for a second because Paul had been explaining the beauty of the grace of God. And the the wonder of the grace of God. The amazing grace of God. That no matter how deep the pit of a person's sins or the well of a person's sins or the volume of a person's sins, no matter... How, how immoral and wretched and depraved a person was in coming to Christ, the grace of God had them covered. So Paul is, you know, explained that. And obviously there were some people, and Paul was anticipating there will be some people that will interpret that. Those that like to take license with God's grace and, and live a licentious life as if, oh well, I tell you what, since God's got plenty of grace and, 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 and it glorified God that His grace covered the greatest of all the sins, we might as well just go ahead and sin some more. Because the more we sin, then the more grace God has to apply, then the more glory God gets. So, you know, they could easily use that and that's the way people think even today. And so Paul's response to that was a very strong, in fact, it was one of the strongest Greek idioms that you could use to make that expression. He says, certainly not, absolutely not. Like as if he was, there's a sense of a twinge of, of rage in there. How dare you think that you could continue to sin? In other words, on a regular basis, living a life of sin, having experienced the wonderful grace of God. And so with that, Paul goes on to explain how that just would not work. If you are a true believer in Jesus Christ and you have been baptized with him. So in talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, first let's understand and appreciate that we are united with him, Christ, 
in the baptism of His death. You see, by faith we are immersed in the person of Christ. So when you were led by the Spirit of God to open your heart to receive Jesus Christ, dear friend, you allowed the Spirit of God to place you in Christ. Do you understand that there is no possible Christian existence outside of Christ? If you think that you can live your life outside of Christ, you are sadly mistaken and you are missing out on the wonderful grace of God. It's only in Christ. So if we are immersed in the person of Christ, metaphorically, we are dying with Him. We were on the cross with Him. And Jesus didn't die for His sins. Jesus died for your sins. My sins. So in a spiritual sense, we were on that cross with Him. We had to die to our sins. We didn't do it physically. Christ did it as the sacrificial Lamb of God. But in Christ, we died to our sins. And that's what he's saying. We not only died with Him, but metaphorically, we were buried with Him. His death becomes our death. His burial becomes our burial. Meaning that we were dead to the curse of sin. And that's where our faith takes us. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are putting your very person in the person of Christ and saying, yes, Lord Jesus, I believe that when you died on that cross, I died to the old sinful nature. And when you were buried in that tomb, it was as much as my body lay in that tomb with you. Now, Having said that, that doesn't mean that just because we have died to sin, which means the curse of sin, that we're free from sin. You know better than that, and I do too. The fact is we live in a body that is still flesh natured. So we're tempted by the flesh every day. And occasionally we will sin, even as, as the best intended Christians. We still live in a world that is cursed by sin. And affects us in so many ways in an external way. We still live daily with a a host of diabolical spirits that are tempting us to sin. So occasionally we will sin. But the good thing, the wonderful thing, is that sin, because we have died to sin in Christ and were buried with Christ, because of that sin is no longer our master. The devil has no control over us. We are controlled by the Spirit of God. Listen to what Paul says. Because you see, God, our Heavenly Father, orchestrates all of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30, Paul is saying here, but of Him, speaking of God, but of Him you are in Jesus Christ or in Christ Jesus. Do you understand? When you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God placed you in His Son. So this is a wonderful divine process orchestrated by the Father Himself. But of Him, God, you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Once you were placed in Christ, God bestowed upon us His wisdom, His godly wisdom, His righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. 
in Ephesians chapter 1. Listen, again, talking about the, 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 the predestined work of God in our lives in Christ. Listen to what Paul says there in verse 3, chapter 1 of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4, just as He chose us in Him, Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. We are in Christ by the work of God the Father. So, we are united with Him in the baptism of His death, but we are also united with Him in His resurrection. We are raised to walk in the newness of life. So just as Christ came forth out of that grave outside of the city walls of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, just as He came out of that grave, listen, in Him, we walked out of that grave. We walked away from the penalty of sin. We walked away from the bondage of sin. We walked away from the uh, grips of death. Free from the penalty of sin and the law. Free, listen, free to love. Free to serve God. Free from selfish desires, free to give of ourselves, and, and free to orient ourselves not just to the temporal things of the world, but we're, when we walk out of that grave in Christ, we are free to orient ourselves towards the eternal, heavenly things. Oh, listen, there's great benefits in being in Christ in the resurrection. This is the effect that the resurrection of Jesus Christ should have on our lives for the, for the duration of our time on the earth. Not only were we raised to walk in the newness of life, but we're raised as new persons in Christ. When you receive Jesus Christ, when I received Jesus Christ and prayed and genuinely placed my faith and trust in Him and was placed by God in Christ, listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he or she is a new creature, a brand new person. He says, the, the, the old things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. And we live as new people, new persons, new creatures in Christ. That's the effect of the resurrection on our lives. We live as witnesses and testimonies to those around us that we are people of God. We share in that great opportunity to tell others about Jesus Christ, to exemplify Christ before others. And understand the whole purpose of everything we do. Everything from the resurrection, you know, the event of the resurrection and the effect of the resurrection is all for one ultimate purpose. And this shouldn't catch you by surprise. It's all to give glory to God. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 when he says, Let men see your good works. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. Everything about the resurrection is designed to ultimately bring glory to God. In Christ coming forth from that grave, having paid the penalty for our sins. And then when every Christian becomes born again and is resurrected in Christ, it all gives glory to God. The heavenly host and all the beings around the throne of God are just glorifying and exalting Him and lifting Him up. How marvelous is this God who could take dead and wretched sinners and make them alive again. 
Make us alive again. Well, we're united with Christ in His resurrection, but we are made alive to God in His resurrection. Go back to chapter 6 in Romans and pick up with me in verse 5. Paul goes on to say there in verse 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. That's why you can't lose your salvation, dear friend. Because if we believe that you could lose your salvation, then Jesus would have to go back to the cross and do it all over again. Listen, once you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are saved once and for all. Because when Jesus died on the cross, one of his last words were, were, it is finished. It's done to telethy. Everything is completed. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So uh, we are resurrected uh, with Christ. We are in Christ. But now our lives are oriented towards God. Everything. Everything about our existence. From the day you pray to receive Jesus Christ into your life. Everything should be oriented towards God. And we are free. We're free from from being slaves to sin. We are free to serve our Father and to bring Him glory. That's another effect of the resurrection upon our lives. And this has been God's plan from the very beginning. As I go back to that passage in Ephesians in chapter 1, as Paul is talking about what God had predestined to happen in, in our lives, I want you to notice something that Paul continually references as he walks through that in verse uh, 6 of that uh Chapter 1 of Ephesians, Paul says, having predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ, he says he did this to the praise of the glory of God. And then he goes on in that same chapter there in verse 12, talking about how God has predestined us according to his purpose to work all things according to the counsel of his will, that we first who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. And then he goes on in verse 14, talking about the guarantee that the Spirit of God gives to us. That's one of the works of the Holy Spirit. He is there to convince us, to seal us in salvation. And it's all to the praise of His glory. Our resurrection with Christ by faith ensures our adoption into the family of God. Just think. (laughs) Had it not been for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we wouldn't be children of God. But in that we are adopted into the family of God. And, and, and in that we have received the reception of eternal inheritance. He says, God has bestowed upon us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. In Christ. 
And it's all to the glory of God. He has given us the reception of His Holy Spirit, the person of His Spirit, to give us the assurance of our salvation. And all of this is to the praise of His glory. But the resurrection of our Lord also empowers us to be image bearers of our Creator. It should make a difference. To the world, we should be different. To the world, people should be able to see that we're not like the rest of the crowd. We're not like the rest of the population of the world. There's something different about you. There's something different about me. You know that old hymn that we often sung? Let others see Jesus in me. That should be our testimony. That should be our ambition. That should be our goal in every day is that we would bear the image of God out there wherever we go. You see, faith has raised us from the dungeon of sin and from death and has washed us in the atoning blood of the Lamb of God. And He's also robed us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that makes us different. We ought to be, people look at us, they ought to see Christ in us. We ought to bear a striking resemblance to our Father. That's the effect of the resurrection. Now I just stopped and asked you this morning, how much glory does your life bring to God as a result of the resurrection? How much of your life points to Him? Or do you focus most of your energy and your time and your attention and your priorities on doing the things that will bring attention to yourself? That's such a human tendency. But also we are free to be used of God to advance His heavenly kingdom. Not only are we here by the resurrection of Christ to to um, bear the image of God and to represent God to His glory, but we're also here to be a part of advancing His kingdom. No longer are we consumed by our selfish desires, but we're able to see the needs of people around us. You see, as those who are resurrected in Christ, we not only take the image of our Father, but we take the heart of our Father. Listen, when when you are born again, when I'm born again, when we are in Christ, every part of us is changed. We have a new mind, the mind of Christ. We have a new heart. We can love people like we've never loved people before. And that should make a difference. Only those who are resurrected in Christ are enabled to do this. And this brings glory to God. Having been sanctified by the Spirit of God, we become instruments of God's love out in the community. Just stop and think about it, brothers and sisters. Just stop and think about, even in a five-mile radius of this church facility, there are broken marriages, there are broken homes, there are people living in addictions, there are people who are, uh, are living in fear, there, there are all kinds of pressures and, and sinful behavior, there are people that are grieving, there are people who are depressed, there are people who are desperate. And listen, we, God's people, in Christ. When we go out to to even give a a cup of cold water in the name of the Lord, we are giving glory to God. And so the resurrection frees us to look beyond our own selfish desires and wants and, and ambitions to see the hurts and the brokenness and the needs of those around us and to make a difference in the lives of other people for the glory of God. Next week at Calvary Baptist across town, 
There's going to be the state missions conference. And this is going to be a wonderful display of God's people touching the lives of hurting people. Whether it be disaster relief teams going into these storm riddled villages and homes and, 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 and helping people to restore their homes and their lives. Or whether it's going out and, and, and helping people with, with dealing with poverty or helping to feed the hungry. Listen, there'll be so many wonderful examples of, of God's people, resurrected people with a new heart going out and doing those wonderful things. Why? For the praise of the glory of God. Not only that, but having been liberated from the shackles of sin and death, we are also free and able to be a part of God's plan to save others from sin. I can't think of a more noble calling for a Christian. Even more than, than, than doing good works and good deeds and helping people Listen, you can't do more for a person to have eternal lasting impact upon them than to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, if you've not experienced the resurrection of Christ in your own life, you can't tell somebody else. How can you tell somebody else about something that you've not experienced yourself? But because you have, and because Christ lives in you and you are in Him, guess what? It's natural to you. It's like breathing. To say, let me tell you about the greatest thing that had ever happened in my life because Jesus Christ came forth out of that grave 2,000 years ago and paid the price for my sins. He died for my sins. I am now a new creature. I'm a child of God. I am forgiven and I am called by God and I have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Listen, that's the part. When Jesus came out of that tomb... 2,000 years ago and he manifested himself in his bodily resurrection to hundreds of people for a great number of days before his ascension into heaven. Listen, there's not much dispute about the fact that that people saw him. He didn't go hide, you know, until he was ascended into heaven. People saw him, but but on that last day, those those that handful of disciples who had seen him, touched him in his resurrected body heard this resurrected Savior say to them, All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you. Even though He would be ascended into heaven, He said, I will be with you. And He is with us. And in that great commission to, to those disciples, He also is given that great commission to you and me. And it wasn't but just a matter of days that those words came powerfully pouring down upon that, that bundle of disciples gathered in that upper room, some 120 of them, I believe, in that upper room in the city of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. All of this came powerfully uh, to, to, to life, it became a reality when, when suddenly, all of a sudden, the, the Spirit of God came down upon them and the fullness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ became theirs. It wasn't just an event now because now this was a, a, a divine impact upon their lives because they were now suddenly baptized by the Spirit of God and empowered by the Spirit of God. And boy, did it have an effect upon them. As you well know, as we walk through the book of Acts, 
Think about that early church. Once Pentecost transpired, listen, Peter was changed, James was changed, all the disciples were changed. They were energized, they were empowered, they were emboldened, and the church began to explode with growth as the church was propelled from Jerusalem to all Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Listen, the church is still growing. The church is still going. Why? Because of the effect of the resurrection in the lives of God's people today. It's resurrected people. It's people who were dead in their sins, who were made alive by their faith in Jesus Christ, who in the Spirit walked out of that tomb with Christ on that Easter Sunday morning, alive, eternally alive, and then filled with the Spirit of God. And why? Why? To the praise of the glory of God. It's more than an event. Though I don't take anything away from the event. Don't hear me to to diminish the impact and the prominence of the event of the resurrection. But let's not overlook the effect it should have on our lives. Finally, as we move forward there in Romans chapter 6, I want to also challenge you to to, to, to see that we're made righteous by His resurrection. Beginning there in verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall, have, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. God's people said, hallelujah. Who's, who's at home in the house of your heart? You and I full well know, and it's no secret, that the occupant of the White House there on Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C., the occupant of that White House can absolutely change the spiritual tone of the nation. If it is a man in that Oval Office who is not ashamed of the name of God and Jesus Christ and speaks openly about prayer and standing on the principles of the Bible, let me tell you something. Whether we want to accept it or not, and I know as born-again believers, we're gladly accepting, but, but that type of a leader can have an impact upon the nation. And the converse of that is true. If, if the, the leader... The man in the Oval Office has no regard for, for God or the things of God and, and, and thumbs his nose up pri- proudly at God and, 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 and looks upon Christianity with some sense of disdain or a shame. Let me tell you something. It filters out to the nation. And who is residing in your heart and on the throne of your heart will have a residual, lasting impact upon the priorities of your life. If you're still on the throne of your heart and you're still running your life, dear friend, let me tell you something. There's no way that you can avoid being run, ruled by sin. But on the other hand, those of us who share in the wonderful Reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus' resurrection becomes evident. 
One of the first evidences of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in a believer's life is that sin gets an eviction notice. When Jesus moves in, guess what? Sin has to go. The Spirit of God will not coexist with sin because He is holy. And that's why that that passage in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, verse 21 is so important when He says, He, God, made Him, Christ, to be sin for us. He had to take our sins upon Himself. We couldn't pay the price for our sins. He had to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. In Him. It's only in Christ that we have the righteousness that enables us to stand before our Heavenly Father without fear of His wrath. It's only in Christ whereby the Father overlooks our sins. They're forgiven. They're as far from us as the east is from the west. And so what effect does that have upon us? Paul says, look. He says, just reckon yourselves there in verse 11. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. He says, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it. Look, there's no reason for you to be dictated by sin. You don't have to, you don't have to use that flimsy excuse that Flip Wilson, the comedian, used to use. Well, the devil made me do, made me do it. No, the devil can't make you do anything as a child of God because Jesus lives in your heart. And Paul said, don't let sin reside in your mortal bodies. It has no place in there. You're filled with Christ. And he says, because of that, because of that, don't let your instruments He's not talking about surgical instruments or musical instruments. He's talking about those more basic human instruments like your hands, like your feet. The children used to sing that little song, Be careful little hands what you do. You know, be careful little feet where you go. Be careful little lips what you say. Hey, look, there's a lot of theology to that. Paul says, don't let your hands, your ears, your mouth, your eyes, your feet be used for sin. Heaven forbid. Act like who you are. Act like those who have been raised from the dead. You're no longer dead in sin. Quit acting like the people of the world who are dead in sin and their hands and their eyes and their mouth and their feet are taking them into into sinful directions and doing all kinds of hideous and terrible things. He said, no, you're not that anymore. He says, let your mouth speak praises and sing praises to the Lord. Let your eyes gaze upon the Word of God and those things that are edifying for the soul. Let your hands do good works in the name of the Lord and let your feet take you on missions and to share the good news of the gospel. Oh, listen, Paul says, don't let your body be used for the wrong thing anymore. Because of the effect of the resurrection. I like how John, over in 1 John, chapter 1, verse 7, he says, but if we walk in the light, that is the light of God's revelation and the light of God's love, the light of God's truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sins. Are you walking in the light of the revelation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Is it having an effect upon your life? 
Is it effect and having an effect that you can observe? Is it having an effect that your family can observe? Is it having an effect that your neighbors and your coworkers and schoolmates can observe? It should be. It should be if it's a reality in your life. You died with Christ. I died with Christ. Hallelujah. That's what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Paul is almost singing hallelujah. He says, I'm dead to sin. I'm risen in Christ. I'm a new creature. It's not me that's living. It's Christ. He went on in Philippians 1.21 and says, For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. You can't lose as a child of God. You understand? Because we are in Christ. We live fully the abundant life here on earth because of the resurrection and the effect it has on our lives. But even beyond that, we live for eternity in the very presence of Almighty God because of the effect of the resurrection upon our lives. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, we celebrate the event of Jesus' bodily resurrection from the grave 2,000 years ago, but praise God, Every morning you get up. Every day you walk through this life. You can say, praise the Lord. I'm resurrected with Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. I will live forever. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen? Praise the Lord. We're going to conclude our service by singing one of my favorites. And I think for all of us, it's a song of celebration. He lives. I like that. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and He talks with me along life's never away. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. <laughs> he lives within my heart. Praise the Lord.